Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. She's here. Lizzie, come up on the stage. Lizzie's coming to preach the word of God. And I'm going to pray for you. This is, this is one awesome woman as well. Ah. Jesus, we thank you for Lizzie, Lord. We thank you for the word that you've put within her. Lord, we thank you for the gifting and anointing that is on her life. And we just know it is going to be evident as she speaks with us this morning. And I just pray that everything she has has come directly from you and that it is really going to impact our lives and send us out of this building different to the way we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Hello, hello. Lovely to be here. So, my first question, I don't know if I'm going to get many hands, is have you ever played um, hide and seek in the dark? Anyone? Yes! Come on! A few more adventurous people. Great. So, I used to do it as a teenager and then as a young adult and um, with some friends, and it's a completely different experience. Your other senses are kind of shut down and, um, you know, you're heightened to everything around you and you feel completely on edge. Um, you're vulnerable, so, you know, someone might scare you in that place. Um, you might end up in completely the wrong place or hurting yourself, which luckily I didn't do seriously. Um, but on a more serious note, has anyone ever heard of an enhanced interrogation method called the blackout box? Okay, so I was just looking into it, and um, this particular case I was looking at, the person was placed in a coffin-sized box in the complete darkness, <clears throat> barely able to move, and the account that I was looking at, he was there for 11 days and two hours. And then if that's not bad enough, straight after that, he was put in a box that was 21 inches wide, two and a half feet high and deep, where he could only be in the fetal position. And then they pour in cockroaches or all sorts of awful things, and he was there for 29 hours. A horrendous, horrendous, but very successful type of torture. <clears throat> Today, I want to talk about darkness. My sermon today is called, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. We all go through times of darkness, sometimes longer than others or deeper than others, but I want to talk about what we do in those times. Often we don't want to talk about darkness or weakness because it doesn't feel like the done thing to do in society and sadly sometimes in the church. Us as Christians can sometimes be quite focused on the other side of darkness without taking time to really acknowledge the reality of it. We're better than we were, so much better than we were, but I feel that we've got a long way to go in my opinion. My challenge that I felt like God said is how good are we at sitting with people in that place of darkness, not rushing the process? How good are we at sitting alongside someone in darkness? We're going to delve straight into scripture. We're going to look at Acts 16, 22 to 34, Paul and Silas in prison. 
So the little bit prior to that, the reason they ended up in prison is that Paul and Silas were followed um, by a lady, a, a fortune teller, and she was harassing them. And all of a sudden, they got tied her and they said, in Jesus' name, that spirit, get out. And then because of that, because she couldn't then earn any money as a fortune teller, um, they got thrown into prison. So we're going to pick up on verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. I mean, imagine that. They flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, I'm sure, in a complete like panic. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must we do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At the hour of the night of the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and his whole household. I mean, wow, what an incredible testimony right there of just amazing breakthrough. And there is so much, I mean, there is so much that I could preach on, on in that chunk of scripture. There's so much that you can pull out. But when I was praying, God led me to um, verse 25. About midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas started to sing hymns and praise. About midnight. Did you know that midnight is the darkest point in the night? See, the Bible is very deliberate about what it includes in Scripture, and sometimes we can miss, miss those really valuable parts. That's two words, about midnight. You know, it, it seems to be unimportant, but actually when you look into it, midnight was the darkest hour. Midnight is mentioned 13 times throughout the Bible. One of those times being when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul and Silas were in a dark, dark place. They'd been stripped, they'd been beaten, they'd been mocked and thrown into prison. They were probably feeling completely hopeless and weak and that there was no way out of this situation. So let's just pause here in that place. Our tendency is to rush ahead See, that scripture is incredible, and the breakthrough happened, and it's easy to rush past about midnight. You know, the amazing things, they did happen, but we need to be careful not to miss some of the bits that just don't feel so exciting. 
I feel Holy Spirit encouraging us to pause in this place of darkness. You know, we, we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. We don't need to be afraid of darkness because he is light. But darkness, let's be honest, darkness is not comfortable. It's not nice and almost always carries pain. But God is there in the midst. He is there in the midst of darkness. My question today is, what is your darkness, my friends? What is your darkness? We all have different areas of our life that may be in pitch black, but God wants to meet us there. He wants to sit with us in that place. The Word of God says that He will never, ever leave us or forsake us. He will never leave us. He never walks away from darkness. He doesn't always, it doesn't always feel like He's there in that place, but the truth is, the truth is that He is there amidst us in that darkness. Psalm 88:18 says, "All my loved ones and friends keep far away from me, leaving me all alone with only darkness as my friend." Wow. Leaving me all alone with only darkness as my friend. See, I believe on the other part of this, God is also challenging us to be better at sitting with others in that dark place, not rushing into breakthrough too early, not, you know, promising signs of breakthrough in the morning, when actually it might not come in our own preferred timing. It's enough for that person in that time of breakthrough just to come alongside, to listen, to give permission that it's actually not, it's okay not to be okay. You know, to say, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? To pray and uphold, absolutely. And I'm speaking to myself too, 100%. It's all too easy for us to sometimes cut, cut across and speak that victory language when actually we've not acknowledged the pain and the discomfort that that person's in. Because, you know, when we're sitting outside of the darkness, we can see the breakthrough. We know, we know that it can come. And we're speaking that out. And it's absolute truth. But sometimes we just need to stop, wait, pause, and say, do you know what? I hear you. That must be so hard. You know, I'm with you in this. So like I say, don't hear me wrong. I know 100% that God is a God of breakthrough. I know that all things are possible in him. I know that he is always faithful because his word says he is. I believe that his promises are absolutely 100% there and amen. You know, yes and amen to them. There's power in speaking those promises over my life and my circumstances and over others. But my challenge is just stopping for a minute and, and acknowledging the place. You know, sometimes breakthrough isn't quick in coming. Sometimes it is, and that's fantastic. But sometimes it's not. And sometimes it feels completely unexplainable and the whys and the whats and the hows are so tough. So when others are in that dark place, it's good first to just touch base with them. How are you doing? How's your faith level? Then on the back of the relationship, then we can empathize with them 
and we can start to bring the breakthrough truth. But it's on the back of that relationship and connecting first. When we're in that place, we can sometimes feel that darkness is all there is for us. We can feel alone, misunderstood, or abandoned. The truth is, God is always there. He's always on our side. So let's not always be so quick in a place of darkness to blame the enemy either. Purpose can always come from darkness. Purpose can always, always come from darkness. See, when we look at Jesus as our model, he was not a stranger to darkness. So we've talked briefly about Gethsemane, but at the cross, Matthew 27, 44 to 46 says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are so many different opinions theologically about this, but I don't want to touch on that. I would just want to say the point I'm making is that Jesus went through darkness. He went through darkness, and afterwards he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt alone and abandoned on that cross. Jesus knows the feelings that we know. He knows those feelings that you feel. And then he died, and he was buried, and for three days he was in darkness before the resurrection. So there was the burial and the resurrection. Purpose can always come from darkness if we embrace God in the darkness. Recently, we bought um, some caterpillars from the internet. Um, Elijah's doing home education, and we thought this is a great idea. We could look at metamorphosis with him. And I think I was slightly more excited than him about these caterpillars coming. And they came as these tiny little caterpillars in a pot. There were five of them, and there was this mushy food stuff at the bottom. And they got to eat that. And, you know, they, they grew about five times the size of when they came in this tiny little pot. It was a bit gross, actually. But um, then um, they, we came downstairs one morning, and um, they'd cocooned. They'd cocooned themselves into darkness. They were hanging there, and they looked brown, dry. They were still. They looked dead. They looked dead. And it looked as if absolutely nothing was happening. But 10 days later, a butterfly fought its way out of that darkness. It fought its way out into beauty and color and light. And the butterfly then, as we released it into the wild, for literally two weeks, can I just say, the process took forever, and two weeks later, it's blooming dead. But anyway, we did the whole process, and then we watched this butterfly soar out into the wild and fly to be all that it was created to be. After that stillness, that, that darkness, where it looked dead, it looked like nothing was happening, and it's like in that moment where it's all cocooned, you just think, 
Like literally, we had so many conversations. Like, how is it possible in that tiny little package that all this amazing transformation is happening? Like, how is that possible? Like, God is incredible. His creation is incredible. Because then this thing happens and you're like, oh, like, you know it's going to happen because that's his nature. But when you see it before your eyes, wow, it's incredible. But it looked like nothing was happening. Another example in nature is seeds under the ground. When a seed is planted... It's planted underground in the black, the dark, the cold soil. It looks as if nothing is happening at all. But if only we could see what was happening under the surface there. A week or more later, we see that green shoot of life starting to come forward. We're going to watch a little video, just about 30 to 40 seconds, just so we can see what actually happens under the soil. on to 21 days and you can just see like it, it doubles in speed how it progresses but that seven days is so important if that gets disturbed then it's never going to become the plant that it's meant to become so you know when we walk through these times we can feel like nothing is happening we can feel a sense of loss in that place of darkness sometimes we can even feel like dead inside but God wants to bring life and newness from that darkness. He is always, always working underneath it all, positioning, chipping away things in us that is no longer necessary, shaping us for the next season. Hello, darkness, my old friend. We can learn so much in that place of darkness. Let's not rush what God wants to do in that place, in us and through us. So, an important question, how do we position ourselves for breakthrough in darkness? I've got five points that I'm going to talk through, and I'm sure it's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there's so much more that we can be doing, but these are the five things that I've learned through a place of darkness. Be real, not perfect. It's all about being honest with ourselves and with God and with others. See, it's never good pretending to, to ourselves or anyone else that we're okay when we're not, when we're struggling. Perfection and facade is all over society. I mean, you don't need to look far than your phone to realize that perfection and facade is, is just everywhere. It's all about pretending to be something that you actually are not, letting people see the best side of yourself all the time. It's exhausting, isn't it? But let's not let that creep into the church. When we know where we are, we can put 
practical and spiritual steps in place to help ourselves. When we're honest and we acknowledge where we're at, we can, we can take those steps. And do you know what? We can use our small groups. That's an incredible place to be open and honest with where you are and not face judgment, to, to face care and compassion and people standing around you. Our small groups are such a valuable part of our journey. We can have a mentor to help us work through what those steps can be, to talk more deeply about those things so that the mentor can help us say, okay, let's take this step this week. Let's work together on this step. And they can help to break it down because sometimes when we're in that dark place, we just can't see a way out. But someone who loves you, who loves God, who's praying for you, who's supporting you can look in and say, come on, let's do this together. Let's step together. Transparency is really important, actually all the time, not just when we're in darkness, but transparency is really important. And I just want to say that it's, transparency is very different from accountability. See, the thing about accountability is that you only share what's asked of you. When you're accountable to someone, you sit down, you have a meeting, and that accountable person says, how are you doing in this area? What's going on here? But they can miss something, and you can give only what you want to give in that accountability process. The thing about transparency is it shares before it's asked. Transparency is, oh my gosh, I'm going through this. Hey, can I, can I book a mentoring session? Can I share with you? So you're proactive. When you're transparent, you're proactive. Or even just, you know, for Dave and I, we have transparency. If we've got a thought that's come in that we're allowing at space, we're transparent. We don't wait to be asked. Transparency is completely different from accountability. Accountability can actually cover sin. Like I've heard of people that are in sin you know, a pastor that was having an affair with a youth pastor. And the way he covered it was he said to his team, I want to be accountable to you. So anytime, I've got feelings, say, for my youth pastor. Anytime we are inappropriate in a public space, please let me know. But they were having an affair. So accountability can cover sin. Transparency exposes sin so that it can be worked on. When we go through times of darkness, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. Even if God has got us in that place of darkness, we're vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. He can whisper or sometimes scream the most ridiculous lies into our ears. And this is why it's so important to have a person in your life that you can talk to about everything and anything, where you don't feel embarrassed to bring a thought that just feels so ridiculous. And when we bring those things into the light, you know, the enemy has no authority any longer. When the, when the thought or whatever it is that's harassing you in your mind, your heart, when it stays in the darkness, we give the enemy authority. The enemy has no authority, but we give it to him. Because we agree with him in that place of darkness. We keep it hidden. But when we're transparent, when we have that person around us and we go and we say, I know this is ridiculous, but I'm having this thought. It's ridiculous, I know, but I need to bring it into the light. It has, it has no power then. The second point is keep talking. 
to God, to others. Keep connected. The enemy always wants to bring isolation and loneliness for us. But God is all about connection to the body of Christ, supporting each other, bringing each other through. Watch your thought process when you're in the darkness. See, God intends it for good and for progress, but the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So don't allow offense to come in when we're in that place of darkness. Don't allow it to settle on you. That's something the enemy will try and bring in that place to bring isolation. But keep short account of your heart. If someone's upset, you go and talk to them about it. Don't let the enemy bring offense into your life. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Don't allow it. The Bible talks about taking every thought captive and bringing it under the authority of Jesus Christ. We can read that sometimes, but how do you do that? We need to be aware of allowing. Firstly, we need to be aware of our thoughts because we have so many thoughts and they just run through and sometimes we're just unaware of what we're even thinking in the busyness of life. But we need to stop and think, what am I thinking? What, is my, what, what thoughts are running through my head right now? What am I allowing to settle in me? And then we can more easily take authority. And then the next step is say you've got a lie of the enemy that says, you know, and you're often thinking, oh, I'm never going to get out of this place. I'm alone. I'm never going to get out of it. The way we would take that thought captive was we would say, in the name of Jesus, I take that thought captive that I'm alone. I take it captive and I say no in Jesus' name. And I say it has to come under the authority, the word of Christ that says I'm never alone. That says I'm never alone. And I speak that out over my life. I take it captive and I say it has no power in my life anymore, any longer in Jesus' name. So that's an example because sometimes we can read it and we think, how do I even do that? That's how we do it. It's as simple as that, but it's about taking time, taking moments to stop. And then the more you take authority, it's not like you take authority and it's gone forever, okay? It's not magic. We, we, we take authority of the thought, great, but then we've got to keep it out. It will come again, so you do it again. And then the more you do it, the less it will come because the enemy goes, oh, that's not having any influence anymore, if he, if he puts the thought there and it settles, he's like, great, I'm just going to throw a few more in there because it's settled. But when you say, no, I'm not having this in Jesus' name, I take authority over it and I say it has to be obedient to the word of God, of God, word of God and the authority of Jesus Christ. It has no power. Number three, make a decision. See, we read that scripture in, in midnight, at midnight, they praised and they worshipped. We need to make a decision to magnify God and who he is. See, a long time ago, I made a non-negotiable decision. It's not negotiable that no matter what, I would choose joy. I will work at being thankful. You know what? I will praise and adore my God because he's worthy of that, no matter what is happening in my life. And when we can make a decision outside of a place of darkness or pain, it's so much easier to make the decision when we're in the pain and the darkness. So when we make that non-negotiable, when we're in the pain and the darkness, it's not negotiable. It might be hard. It might be harder in that place, 
But it's a non-negotiable. However I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to praise and I'm going to worship even if I can't see what's happening. See, praise and worship changes our perspective and releases heaven. We saw that in that scripture. When they praised, when they worshiped, when they brought victory in what they were singing, we saw heaven released. Paul and Silas saw heaven breaking out in a powerful way in jail. Number four, fill up on truth. Get the word of God in you and all around you. See, this is so important to know his promises, to know the affirmation of your father. It says in the Bible that David encouraged himself in the Lord. We need to be better at this, encouraging ourselves in the Lord. You know, it's so easy and all, all, the, all the tools around us are there for us. But I think sometimes we can be all too quick to run to someone and actually, God says, encourage yourself in me. I'm here. I'm with you. Talk to me. And it's not that we can't do the other things, but it's a, God says, come, encourage yourself in me. That's what David did. And, you know, I feel that that's something that God is challenging, that we need to be able to pull out truth and embed it in our hearts for the days to come, church. And it's not just our church, the body of Christ. You know, we're, we're headed into weird Weird times. We don't know what's going to happen to the meeting together, gathered church. But if we learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord, you know, no matter whether we're in persecution or faced with martyrdom, like, you know, we are encouraging ourselves in the Lord. And this is also where we, we need people to bring scripture and prophesy. And we're touching back on that to encourage us, to bless us. But again, it's about us being careful in the way that we do that when someone's in that dark place. That, that they don't feel unheard. That we don't cut across their experience with that breakthrough and that victory talk. But we sit with them in that place. And when it feels right, we bring those, those elements so that they can grasp it. Because if we cut across that darkness and they feel unheard, they can't hear the truth. And the fifth one, just keep going. Some days will be harder than others, but just keep walking and talking with your maker. The Bible says your word is a lamp onto my feet. This scripture has come alive and been our scripture for the last year or so like never before. And one of the revelations that I had when I was praying is that you can't turn on, if you turn on a lamp in a light room, it does nothing. But when you turn on a lamp in darkness, it's significant. It lights up the space around you. Now, let's be real. We'd rather walk in light. <laughs> We'd rather walk in a place where we can see everything. We know what's happening. We can plan. We can, you know, we know what's happening. We feel secure. But do you know what? So much depth and the things underground, the roots are formed in a place of darkness, pain, and hiddenness. You know, it's just so incredible. And it's hard. It's hard. But God is always with us. And he wants to bring maturity and steadfastness in our relationship with him. And it's in those times that it happens. 
See, it doesn't say that his word is a floodlight. You know, it, it says it's a lamp. Sometimes it's hard to see the light in the darkness. It's hard to see that lamp of his word. But it's about taking one step at a time. See, a floodlight lights the whole path. But a lamp lights the next step. And you just take the next step. Lord, okay, I've taken that step. What now? What now? And sometimes we have to wait for the next bit. But God has taken us step by step through that darkness. And that is definitely the season of life that we've been in. Our darkness has been long. For Dave and I, our darkness has been long and very intense at times. But God is with us. We keep stepping with Holy Spirit and listening to him. Sometimes he's speaking, sometimes he's silent, but he is always there. He's always with us, and he wants to bring purpose out of our darkness. The season's uncertain, and I'm sure for a lot of you, you're in that place, that uncertainty, and there's no floodlight. But we have an idea of what God is doing, and we just keep pressing into him and doing the only thing that we know how to do which is to worship him and praise him, even amidst the rubbish. We've got some time now just to spend, to reflect, to respond to Holy Spirit. We're going to play a song. And I just would say, if this resonates with you, and you want someone to stand with you this morning in the place that you're in, then, then don't leave this morning without, without receiving that. We've got an incredible prayer team just waiting, and they've been praying for you even before this morning. You know, don't allow this time to, to go. Don't, don't isolate yourself. Don't run from, from your family, from the body. Let's spend time just allowing. You don't even have to share it all, but just they're here to stand with you just to stand alongside you and just to pray. They don't even need to know the details. They're here just to stand with you. So for you this morning, what is your darkness? How are you doing in it all? How's your faith? Are you allowing Jesus and other people into your darkness? Or are you shutting everyone out? Because now is a great chance for you to open the door to that. And how am I doing with walking alongside other people that I know are in darkness? Is there any way that you want to challenge me, Lord, to just be better at that, just to hear and to listen first? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to play a song. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you're with us. And we thank you for your truth that is echoed throughout this word that says you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You are there in the midst all the time, even when we can't feel it. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just stir our hearts. And, Lord, that we would hear the things of you this morning from this message, Lord, that we would take away the things and the challenges that you want to bring us, God. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.